Well, at this time, I'm also going to uh, ask my wife to come forward. Uh, Cindy, come on up here, hon. And uh, to share a message. It is Mother's Day. Her message will certainly uh, be for the ladies in the church. But I went through her notes a couple of times, and it goes way beyond the ladies in the church. <laughs> Got to protect my turf. <laughs> I've heard her teach this... <laughs> It's kind of intimidating. So uh, with that, I'd like to just pray over Cindy and uh, turn the microphone over to her. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gifts that you put in the body of Christ. God, I thank you that your word is true. God, and your word can challenge us even as it encourages us. And I pray this morning, God, that as you speak through Cindy, that her heart comes through and her, her desire to see women, but all Christians, challenged to continue the work that you've called them to, to put their gifts to work to advance the kingdom. Just pray your anointing upon her in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Well, I would like to open with um, the first slide, please. Thank you. This was last Saturday morning. And I don't know if you remember that day, but it was sunny. It was warm. It was one of those rare days where there was no wind. And um, I took this picture And I sent a group text to my kids that says, Mom's back in her happy place. Now, my kids know that that's what I love. When the weather gets nice, you go out on the the deck with your coffee and your Bible. And so I sent this text. And then our daughter Amber responds, and she says, Ah, beautiful. And then she said, Hey, Mom, I'm preaching on Mother's Day from the book of Esther. Well, in this text, then Mike responds, and he says, Cindy, you should preach on Mother's Day. (laughs) And then he goes, what do you think? Well, there was this long pause, really long. (laughs) And then um, Amber came back, and she said, Greg's singing a special at the end of my message. (laughs) She said, Dad, you could do that, too. (laughs) So pressure's on, Mike. They're all going to be waiting for it. (laughs) So right now, no, I I really consider this a great privilege. Um, It's been fun to prepare what I would share as a mom to women in the church and really to all of us to encourage us but to challenge us. You know, and it's interesting that right now, At this time, my daughter is speaking in her church in Burnsville, and I'm speaking here in our church, you know, and that really makes a pretty special Mother's Day for me. So happy Mother's Day. Uh, In my message today, I would like um, to share about a few women who were amazing examples of walking out their lives in Christ. Now, you know, we come to church we hear the words, we read the devotionals, we um, listen to other teachings and podcasts. But you know, in light of all that we have heard, and in the midst of everything that we go through each day, we often ask ourselves these two words. Next slide. Now what? Now what? What do I do with all that? What do I do with everything that I've heard? What do I do with all that I know? 
how does that affect my tomorrow? How does that affect my today? How does that affect my yesterday? What do I do? Where do I go? How do I recognize his leading? Well, in Ephesians, I feel that um, Paul addresses this way better than I could ever address this. You know, a little sidebar here. It's interesting because when Mike was helping me put this PowerPoint together, you know, obviously when I took that first picture, I had no idea how the Lord was going to lead. So I stretched it open and said, hey, what was my Bible open to? Ephesians. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) Paul addresses this better really than any of us. What we know about God and how we live that out have really a way of getting, you know, broken apart in our lives. And when this connection, what we believe and how we behave, are damaged, we're really unable to live out fully what, we're, what we were created for. As a mom, as a grandma, as a woman, as a child, as a man. Our beliefs and our behaviors need to come together. Paul's letters um, to the Ephesians joined this together, that what has been torn apart in our sin-wrecked world. You know, a number of years ago, our son Ethan broke his leg, and he walked around on it for a while, and it really hurt, and it was really swollen, and then finally, he needed to see a surgeon. So he went in, and he he had a surgeon put his leg back together. Well, that's kind of like what Ephesians does for us. It takes, it's like a surgeon that carefully sets a compound fracture. He sets our belief in God with our behaviors before God so that the bones of belief and behavior are knit together and heal. Um, In Ephesians, let's take a look at that verse. Paul writes this in 60 A.D., and it was at this time while he, that he was a prisoner in Rome. And I um, actually liked it out of the message. So that's the scripture that's up there for today. And it says, we'll read it. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. While I'm locked up here, a prisoner for the master, I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, Run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. And mark that you do this with humility and discipline, not in fits and starts, but steadily, pouring yourselves out for each other in acts of love, alert to noticing differences and quick at mending fences. You are called to travel on the same road and in the same direction, so stay together, both outwardly and inwardly. Yeah, I just I just love the way the message reads because it's like Paul is this big cheerleader here. And that's what I feel like I want to do today. I want to be like the big cheerleader that says, come on, come on, live it. Moms, grandmas, women, the best thing that you can do is to live out your life for Christ. It's the best thing that you can do for your kids. 
It's the best thing you can do for your grandchildren is live out your life. He says, live it. He says, walk in your destiny. Your destiny. Now, your destiny kind of sometimes sounds like this far-off thing, like, oh, if I only knew my destiny. Well, your destiny is really every place that you set your foot, every place that you go. When you walk out of here, that's your destiny. When you walk into your workplace, that's your destiny. It doesn't have to be complicated. It's every place you put your foot. And it's an adventure. It is not a burden to walk out your life in Christ. It's an adventure. You know, it's kind of like looking and thinking, oh, what's around the next corner? What's over the next hill? You know, and it starts today, and it goes to the end. So I want to look at just a few specifics of this segment of Scripture. The first one is, is it says, walk on the road that God called you to travel. You know, and I feel that says, don't stop growing. Walk. Walk on this road. Don't pull up a lawn chair and sit on the road and watch everybody go by you. Walk it. If you said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are on this road. Walk it. And I like that it says, better yet, run. Better yet, run. And it says, never stop. In my mind, it says, never stop pursuing the fullness of Christ. It's like that, like I said earlier, what's ahead? Pursue it. What's around the next corner? Pursue it. What's over that hill? Each stage of life that we're in has a new adventure for us. And each day, there will be new seasons and there will be new ways, but God will use us if we walk. Um, The second one is don't stroll off down some path that leads to nowhere. You know what? It is so easy to get caught up in life that we forget what really matters. You know, we get up, we brush our teeth, we go to work, we come home, we scroll through social media, we go to bed, we get up. You know, it's just the same old, the same old, the same old. But, you know, it's like at times like this that we're walking on this path with our eyes closed. And all of a sudden, we get off the road, we get down a different path, and then we wake up and we wonder, how the heck did I get here? What happened? Where, how did I get here? Well, I think what happens is that our eyes move from an eternal perspective to a temporal one. We just are focusing on what's happening today. And pretty soon, we're on a dead-end trail because it's one that we're walking just in our own strength. It's one that we're walking without power, without purpose, really without hope, and definitely without Christ. We're just doing our thing. The next one that I'd like to point out, number three, is mark that you do this with humility and discipline. You know, on this, fr- on this path, we have two friends or two companions. And the first one is humility. Now, humility, to define that, I don't know, I guess what I think is that it's an understanding of where I was and where I would be today without Christ. 
For me, that feels like humility. I remember on one of my sitting on the deck with my Bible days, I remember distinctly that God gave me a fresh look of where my life would be without him. And it was sad. It was really sad. But I think that what that does is it gives me more compassion for people who maybe don't get it or who maybe aren't there because I can say to myself, oh, I remember when I thought like that. Oh, I remember when I said those stupid things. Oh, I remember when I walked like that. So humility is just really understanding where we would be without Christ. And then the second one is discipline. Now, this path requires effort. It requires perseverance, you know. And moms, we know that as with children, discipline is going to produce something good. And when we discipline ourselves and we put effort into walking our path, it's going to produce something good. The next one, number four, would be not in fits and starts. You know, we're not to start, stop, start, stop. This is what Paul is encouraging. Don't start, stop, start, stop. But continue, continue steadily. So we are continually allowing the Lord to penetrate. We're continually allowing the Lord, we're saying, create a new heart in me, Lord, and to change. You know, in 2 Corinthians, it describes it as moving from glory to glory. And our specific callings over the years, I've seen this in my own life, you know, they shift and they change. But we are never to sit back and to say, oh, she's got a way greater calling than I do. I don't have a calling. Or to sit back and to say, well... I've done my Christian duty, I've served the church, and now it's time for the next generation to take over. I don't think so. I don't think that's what God would want us to do. You know, instead, I feel like when we get to this stage in life, that I say more and more, I want to go out like Elijah. You know how he went out. He went out in fire. (laughs) Let's go out in fire like Elijah. The world is falling apart all around us. We talk about it. We say, oh, did you see this on the news? Oh, what about this that's happening in the schools? It's falling apart. And there is a need for each one of us in this world. Each one of us. The fifth point is to pour ourselves out um, for each other in love. And then it talks about noticing differences and mending fences. You know, noticing differences, I think that is like, it's it's easy to love those that love you, and it's easy to get along with those who think like you. But when we notice differences, we reach out to those who are maybe unlovable. We stand beside those who may have differing opinions, and we show them the love of Christ. And mending fences, that's really about practicing forgiveness. You know, um, the opposite of that is going to be what's going to be produced in each of us is bitterness and self-righteousness. So forgiveness is really key in walking this path. 
I, I think of it, I think of bitterness and um, self-righteousness like this thickening agent. You know, like when you make gravy and you put the cornstarch in, and if you put too much cornstarch in there, you're going to get this big clump of nothing that is not able to be poured out. So bitterness and unforgiveness prohibit us from flowing and, and love into the lives of others. The next part is, number six, is travel on the same road and in the same direction. Now, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are walking this road together. We are in him, and hear me on this, nothing disqualifies us. Nothing. We have a common goal, and our goal is to glorify Jesus. So our past, that doesn't disqualify us. Our present circumstances, not our age, not the culture that we live in. We are all qualified to walk when we are in him. Jesus tells us that this is true. And we have examples of this uh, from those who have gone before us. And I would like to take a look at just a few of these women. They're women who took the risk to walk the road in their generation. And I hope that it encourages us to take the risk and to have the courage to walk the road in our generation. The first one I want to look at is Rahab. Rahab, in the Old Testament book of Joshua, we have this woman named Rahab. Now, she is a prostitute from Jericho. And we're going to read um, about this a little bit in Joshua chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. It says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So the king hears that the spies have entered the land. But Rahab, when she has sent this message by the king, she takes them to her roof and hides them. That sounds kind of like a dangerous choice, doesn't it? So why would she do this? Rahab knew something. She believed something about the God of Israel. And she was willing to take the risk to act on it. Now, her confession in verses 8 to 11 reveals what she believes. So in verse 8, it says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, 
our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. So her confession shows that she says, I know. And she said, a great fear has fallen on us, all of us who live in this country. She says, we have heard, and our hearts have melted, and our courage failed. And then she says, the Lord your God is God. So Rahab decides to abandon her land and the gods for, and her gods for the Lord of Israel. So as Rahab, our past does not disqualify us. We can hear and we can know that the Lord your God is God. And we too can abandon our familiar land. We can abandon our familiar gods for the Lord of Israel. She took a risk. It involved courage. But she was spared. And so was her family. And in Matthew chapter 1, this prostitute from Jericho is listed in the genealogy of Christ. The second one that I would like to look at are Naomi and Ruth, second and third. This setting is a time um, characterized as religious and moral bankruptcy. There's national disunity. There's foreign oppression. So Naomi, she leaves Bethlehem with her husband and her two sons because of famine. And they go to Moab. And, this is, and while they're in Moab, her husband dies and her sons uh, marry Moabite women. And eventually, her sons die also. So now Naomi, who is older in life, she hears that the Lord has come to the aid of his people in Israel and with no one to provide for her. Because in those days, you were provided for by the men in your household. She has no one to provide for her. So what does she decide to do? She decides to go home. I'm going back to Israel. And um, her daughter-in-law, Ruth, refuses to abandon her, and so she leaves her home for this foreign land. But from Naomi, we learn to stay hopeful even when our present circumstances don't look like they're going our way. Even when life seems to bring nothing but misfortune. Think about it. Naomi was old. She was grief-stricken. She had lost her husband and both of her sons. She was poor. She was far from home. But she held on to her courage, and she used the resources that she had. She didn't allow her present circumstances to stop her. And even above that, with wisdom, she directs her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Now, Ruth, the book of Ruth, um, focuses on Ruth's unswerving and selfless devotion to Naomi and on Boaz's kindness to both of these widows. So I would like to take a look at Ruth chapter 1, 
verses 16 and 17. Okay, it says, But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. So, Ruth, is, that's Ruth's favorite, or famous speech um, to her mother-in-law. And when you read that, it may be surprising that this woman who reflects God's love so clearly is really a despised Moabite woman. The Moabites were despised by the Jews. Yet her loyalty to the Israelite family into which she had been received by marriage and her total devotion to her mother-in-law mark her as a true daughter of Israel and a worthy ancestor of King David. She exemplifies the truth that participation in the kingdom of God is decided. And it's not by blood or birth. So kids, just because you're born into a Christian home doesn't mean you're a Christian. It's a, it's a choice that you make. It's not by blood or by birth, but it's a decision. And, and um, Ruth shows that. And it's obedience that comes from faith. Obedience in the home and in the workplace. We see it throughout the book of Ruth. Ruth showed courage. She showed selfless love. She showed loyalty in daily life. And this child less widow, she had no children, at the beginning of the story, becomes the great-grandmother of Israel's king, his great king, David. And I love, as a grandma, I love how Ruth ends. In chapter 4, verses 16 and 17, it says, Then Naomi took the child laid him in her lap, and cared for him. And the women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse and the father of David. It's a beautiful thing. Now I have one more example of a biblical woman who walked with courage on the road that God called her to travel. You know, she's somewhat of an unknown in the New Testament, but I feel she's really an example of what many of us face um, in our families or in the workplace today. Her name is Damaris. And she's talked about in Acts chapter 17, verses 32 to 34. And it says, When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. But others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. But check this out. And among them was this woman named Damaris. 
and a num number of others. You know, today, many people sneer and jeer and reject the message of the gospel. But as Damaris, there will be a few that will come into your lives and they will say, I want to hear you again on this subject. Hey, could you meet with me and talk with me about this? I would like to meet with you. So I would say take courage and be, faith, be faithful. Walk in humility and walk in discipline. For in the words of Esther, you were chosen to live right now in this generation for such a time as this. So with that, I would just um, like to pray. And, I, you know, as, even as we think about the different parts of this message, you know, I can see where maybe there are some of you who are struggling to connect your belief to your behavior. You come and you hear, but you don't really walk out. You don't really go and walk in it. And maybe some of you don't see that each place that you put your foot each day is what God's calling you to do. Or maybe you feel like you're up, opposition, uh, up against opposition in your family or in the workplace all the time. So um, we just need the courage to know that we are called and we are his children and he will give us the strength and he will give us the provision for what we need for each new day. So let's, let's pray. Father, I um, thank you. I thank you for the words. I thank you for your word. Lord, it brings such hope and it brings such encouragement to us each and every day. And Father, I pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to walk, no, better yet, run on the road that you called us to travel. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't sit around in a lawn chair and watch, or we wouldn't go strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. But, Father, that we could walk this with a focus of eternity. Lord, that we could pour ourselves out for each other in acts of love. And that, Lord, that we could draw in those who don't know you. Father, we got some amazing women and some amazing moms in this church. And, Father, I pray that you would do amazing things in each one and through each one. In your name we pray. Amen.